Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in ed tech in the K-12 space. My name is Kevin Hogan. This episode, another special episode, a wrap-up of ISTE 2022, live from New Orleans. And with me is Editorial Director, Laura Essio. And Laura, thanks so much for, for joining me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, it was great to see you in person, right? I mean, uh, I guess the first thing about these in-person events, it certainly felt pretty much back to normal. There, there were a mask or two around, but uh, the parties were back, the sessions were back, the lines were back, uh, which, I, which I think is great. It was fantastic. It felt wonderful to walk into the exhibit hall and see so many people and so many people who were excited to be back. I know that I was I was overjoyed to see a lot of the people I usually meet with, I usually see during the shows because I haven't seen them for two years now. And it was just wonderful to walk back into that convention center. Yeah, it was very much like a high school reunion of sorts, right? <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah, and uh, the other thing for me, especially too, was uh, to be back in such a large group of of educators, right? And like passionate educators, and you can kind of feel the energy. And, and again, I mean, you can't beat around the bush here. It's just been an absolutely horrible uh, two years, especially for educators. And the news was mostly bad that you know we would have to report upon and, and talk about when you talk about learning loss or or learning recovery or teacher burnout or but then to see all those folks back in their element meeting with each other, again, it was just kind of just a really kind of a positive reinforcement. Yeah, it was great. Everybody had such a positive energy. Everybody was excited. And I think it really did everybody good to be around their, their peers, fellow educators, fellow school leaders, and look at what is coming down the road instead of focusing solely on what, as you said, have been some, some pretty terrible couple of years. Yeah. Well, let's get into the weeds. So, I mean, that's always the question, right? When you're at ISTE, whether you're in the airport waiting for your flight home or, you know, maybe you find yourself in a, in a lobby bar or you find yourself uh, caught at the end of a session is like, what's the cool thing you've seen? What, you know, what are you catching up on? So let me, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that one at you first. One of my favorite things this year was a focus on teaching with and in some of the more popular game platforms that students are using. I sat in on one session about teaching inside of Roblox and Minecraft and how to use those platforms to engage students. I will confess one of the reasons I wanted to go to that session is because my own kids are very into Roblox and Minecraft. I have taken many a tour of a 30 room Minecraft home, um, somewhat reluctantly, but I have, I have sat through those. And these kind of games have such great potential because kids are already playing them. Once you can tackle the basic coding and creation necessary to quote unquote, start your classroom in the game, the possibilities really are limitless. And I think that's one of the designs of, of these games. They're sandbox games. They're, they're open for creation. So you can use them in English and language arts. You can use them in science. You can use them in um, social studies in mathematics, there really are so many applications. And that that was one of the coolest things I saw. Kind of related to that was Lego education. They had such a cool focus, which goes along with one of the big themes of the conference, which is getting the joy and the fun back into learning, letting kids explore open-ended, letting them create, letting them 
kind of find that that fun again after what's been a tough couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, gaming and esports, I guess I'd put a hyphen in between those as maybe a, a distinction, but certainly at, at the top of my list here too of, of stuff that you saw. Now, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more of a, a cynical old guy when it comes to some of the esports aspects of things, um, and I think that that's a big distinction that you're making when you talk about Roblox and Minecraft and Lego as kind of educational tools. And maybe some of the stuff I saw, which involved, hey, districts, buy, a, you know, use your federal funding to, to set up esports arenas and set up leagues for your schools. Now, I get, I, and, and again, I get it. I know, I mean, it's a phenomenon, no doubt. I mean, even before the pandemic started, and I think my own beta testers here at home were saved by online gaming <laughs> from myself, right? I mean, just go to your room and do it. But uh, I think there is kind of a, a difference between that, that, that sixth grader who maybe he's playing Roblox and then the junior in high school who is spending hours and hours on, you know, E-League, E-League sort of stuff. So I'm still not totally convinced on that, but I agree with you 100% that it certainly seems that integration now of, of using those technologies at home, obviously, I mean, the behavior-wise, everyone's much more comfortable with it, right? Yeah, and there were a lot of esports solutions. And the thing that I, I think is super cool about esports is that, um, first of all, it does have a, a really inclusive nature. I've heard from a lot of educators at the high school level about how some of their students who have been really reluctant to participate in class and maybe don't find any other after school or extracurricular activities that that they can become part of, they really do gravitate toward the esports. One of the one of the interesting things is that there there are more than just the players in esports. Mm-hmm. You've got the technical side, like with the IT and the AV. You've got the hardware. You also have like the business and the management side, which is very cool as you move into college, um, because you may find that that is something you want to pursue. So I do I do think it's cool in that it offers kids a lot of different ways to participate instead of just being the gamer or or the you know, the player. So that is neat, but those are, those solutions are definitely growing at the K-12 level. And like you said, before the pandemic too, but, but there was a much stronger esports presence this year, as opposed to years past for sure. Well, there was another technology that was front and center that I also used to be skeptical about, and maybe I am still a little bit, but it started to grow on me, which is uh, augmented reality and, and virtual reality. Yes. I saw a number of uh, you know, the Oculus visors back uh, on the show floor. A lot of people talking about, well, obviously the metaverse, which makes me smirk again. But I saw applications where I'm like, well, you know what? This is, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. And maybe we're not there yet, but we're, we're certainly uh, getting there. Did you see any AR or VR applications out there that, that look pretty cool? Yeah, I did. And I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Maybe we're not there yet, but we're getting there. And I think the, I think the trick is going to be moving it from a fun classroom novelty, um, something that is, is cool to do after a lesson or, or a, a unit to something that really does reinforce what the teacher is teaching. So I think it's going to take some, some concentrated effort to, to make it a core part of instruction, um, because otherwise you have, you know, it's kind of like an add-on at the end of something, or it's kind of a, a treat for the kids after they finish 
whatever unit or whatever work they're doing. Not that it's not cool and not that it can't educate them because I, I think it really can engage students. But I do, I think you're right on when you say there's, you know, we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, and to be able to kind of fully integrate and bake that into the kind of day-to-day -day learning experience, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're close, but still a bit too far. One other acronym I have here uh, from my notes is, is AI. And now this is not as flashy, right? It's not as sexy as the e-gaming and, and all the rest of it. But it seems as if, and maybe not even necessarily for the classroom or classroom instruction, but for professional development for teachers, and maybe kind of some of the assessment stuff, you know, artificial intelligence, some, some real pieces of software where it seems that when you're working in an LMS and you're going through it, they're able to find ways to have the algorithm start helping the teachers more figure out the data and turn that into knowledge uh, a little more quickly. Kind of tough to explain. Uh, it's pretty theoretical, right? It's conceptual, but um, when you see it in the demo, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think AI is one of those things where several years ago when we were at these shows pre-COVID and, and listening to how AI is really going to change education, um, a lot of people had that vision of, you know, a robot, you know, walking around or, or some kind of virtual, you know, screen projection popping up, some kind of hologram. And, and then when you see, okay, here's how AI is already in use in various tools and various systems, then I think we can wrap our brains around the concept better and realize how it is working in the background to help make a lot of processes simpler and make the educators jobs a little easier because they can focus now instead of searching and compiling and you know gathering data instead they've got this data in in a more timely manner and they can act on it better or it, i also view ai as kind of cutting out the middleman a little bit getting getting necessary tools and information to the educators quicker to just keep things rolling. Yeah, I mean, just, if nothing else, when you, you talk about bots, right? And I know eSchool, uh, we've done a number of articles over the summer. Yes. And seeing the application to, again, not only just classroom stuff, but the ideas of uh, telemedicine and mental health and being able to use those bots much in the way, I keep using the anecdote of, one of my beta testers here got into a car accident and oh, no. had the, you know, 17, it's going to happen. But the entire process happens using my phone. I never spoke to anyone, took the photographs, everything went through. And it was that little cartoon bot that walked its way all the way through. I've seen some education applications kind of doing the same things for teachers where, and again, this is a, a pre-pandemic worry that I remember when we would be ifties of, a, a camp of educators saying, well, this technology is meant to replace us. Um, I think what became really clear over the past two years and came especially clear in the show floor this year was that these are tools to enable teachers and not replace them, right? So Absolutely. Where there's boogeymen that, that hopefully we don't have to write about anymore. Yeah, yes, precisely. Yeah, completely agree. So any, anything else? Anything, anything else uh, that I missed? I mean, those are kind of the, the three big ones for me. Uh, I And I agree, you know, I said in, in the podcast from last week, and, and Richard's talk about bringing joy and civility back into the classroom and the, the introduction of empathy into everything everybody does. That was a great overarching theme that, that I felt. Uh, any Anything else that came up to the top of your head? I know we're still 
processing uh, all this for writing it up later on. Still decompressing. Um, yeah, I thought Richard's focus was fantastic. I, I loved the parts about civility and empathy, especially as you look at what educators have had to manage over the past couple of years in terms of the demands placed on them, the criticisms placed on them. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a lose-lose situation, no matter what decision is made, one group or two groups will be unhappy. So I, I really liked his emphasis. I think kind of piggybacking on that, we've talked about social and emotional learning for a while. And I know that was, that was a big focus for eSchool News, even before COVID. I think that now the, the focus on that has just completely skyrocketed as we've seen kids, what they've gone through the past two years. And, and even now, as we're coming out of the pandemic to some extent, as, as we return to some kind of normalcy, I think the impacts of it are still coming out. And so I think that, I think those solutions are going to continue to, to really be important and, and kind of related to that. I think also, Kevin, you touched on teacher burnout that to me was was such a, a bigger emphasis at this show than it has been in the past. Solutions and strategies to help school leaders address and manage burnout among their school and district staff, um, how to help teachers take care of themselves. And I know we all hear that that old airplane adage, but you know, especially as we've all just, you know, just been on on flights, um, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask on before you put a mask on the the kid or, or or kids in your row. I think that's really important and helping helping teachers learn to take care of themselves is is also um important. Yeah, I mean like the it was truly a group trauma the, the past two years, right? I mean, because that every kid has a parent who's traumatized, every kid has a teacher who's also probably a parent who's also traumatized. And I think there's a general understanding that no matter if you're making a piece of curriculum or you're making a piece of software or you, you have a program to have, and especially with some of the other social impacts that, that continue to occur, unfortunately, it continues to kind of like see the layer one trauma on top of the other. But the understanding is you can't learn unless you feel like you're in a good place, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I'd say to your point, you can't teach unless you're in a good place. And that, that that's leading to a lot of this. And that things can start off. And even if you're just developing a piece of technology with that understanding, um, that should be helpful in terms of making this stuff get even better. But well, Laura, uh, again, it was, it was great to see you. I can't wait uh, to, to read your stuff ab about the show going forward. And I know the next couple of weeks, we'll have a lot of stuff coming in, uh, in terms of reactions to the event. And then, you know, start pointing to, pointing to the next one. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the EdTech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always trying to help innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.